Yo, this is Pastor Tito here. Welcome to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I am here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And you know what? It's 2021. I wanted to do something a little different. I've been kind of feeling doing something like this, desiring to, haven't got around to it, but you know what? New year, might as well start some new routines. So what I wanted to do, if this is your first time watching or hearing, then you're going to get it right now, but it's okay. But what I love and what I've been wanting to do is to do a kind of follow-up to my message because see, Sunday mornings, I have a time limit. Sunday mornings, I have a certain amount of time to do what I want to do, say what I feel that God has put on my heart. And the thing is, well, the reason is, is because we have multiple services at our church. And so I just can't just kind of go. And at the same time, Sunday mornings for me or the sermon is not my time to kind of just tell you everything that I think, right? To tell you what I want to say. That's not the goal. Sundays, the goal for Sundays is to encounter God, to meet with him. So there's a lot of things that I kind of leave on the table. You know, there's a lot of things that just kind of don't make the cut because it's, you know, it's going to distract from what God wants to accomplish that day. But there's a lot of things that kind of come up in conversations or in a Q&A that I hope that I hold every single week with some of our church members. Things come up and man, I was like, yo, some of these things are great. And I would love to still share those, but obviously I'm not going to preach this all over again. So these deep dives are an opportunity for me to share some amazing nuggets, things that man, God uh, met with me in the text throughout the week as I've been prepping. And I just don't want those to go to waste. I want to be able to share them with you. Plus in conversation, anything that kind of happens, um, that's what this is for. So I'm excited. And so we just started 2021 with a series called I'll Do It Tomorrow, Finding the Power to Change. And with that, we read Ecclesiastes chapter three, I already forgot, chapter three, verses one through 15, but I want to focus on the ones from one through eight. And if you haven't heard the message, you can kind of catch it already on my podcast. You can go to my YouTube channel, just search up my name, Tito Sotolongo, spell it how it sounds, all right? Tito Sotolongo. And you can kind of catch all that there. But I wanted to kind of add some stuff and just kind of continue, share a little bit more about since the message, how God has been still dealing with me and how I'm trying to apply it with my life. And so the whole idea of this is King Solomon has been wrestling with this idea of time, right? What to do with time. I can't control it. How can I maximize it? What's the most important thing? And the bottom line that we talked about was this idea that, listen, when you follow Jesus today, you have less regrets tomorrow. That's the bottom line. When you follow Jesus today, you have less regrets tomorrow. King Solomon, Ecclesiastes, pretty much at the end of his experiment was like, yo, y'all got to get God in your life ASAP. Now is better than never. All right. It makes a difference when it comes to eternity. And so following Jesus today produces less regrets tomorrow. Why? Because, man, when you follow God, when you follow what he has in his ways, okay, it works out. His ways work out. They do. And so the thing is, is that we try to work things out on our own without him. But man, he's like, yo, no, no, God's the way Solomon tried every which way I've tried a lot of different ways. And even now I got to be honest, there's sometimes I'm a little stubborn and I'll still try to do things my way only to be confirmed. Once again, I have no clue what I'm doing aside from God. But uh, so that was the idea. All right? We were talking about how now is the time because here Ecclesiastes chapter one, well, three, verse one, he says there is an occasion for everything and a time for every activity. And I said that the time 
for following Jesus is always now. The time to always trust in Jesus is now. The time to always pray, the time to always seek is now, is now. But I wanted to look at some of these elements to kind of share with them because some of these were interesting, some of these were not. Uh, well, no, let me say it again. Some of these were interesting. Some of these were confusing. All right. Because God's word is always interesting. Let me just be real with you. If it's not, then you just don't understand it yet. Because when you do. All right. So let's kind of walk through some of these. And uh, I didn't get a chance to kind of go verse by verse or word by word. So I kind of want to share just a brief thought and then just kind of share some interesting applications that uh, I've been dealing with. The first one, he says, there's a time for every activity. So he says, child, verse two, there's a time to give birth and a time to die. Obviously, you know, you and I can't control when you and I are born. We can't control the circumstances, right? It just kind of happens. And Solomon was kind of wrestling with that. It's like you and I can't control the circumstances that we are born in. And some of us, I've done this. We've all done this. Some of us kind of um, resent those things, you know, and maybe you were born in a time or born in a way, in a circumstance that is behind someone else. Someone else has started ahead of you in life. All right. And then you are behind. That's everybody. That's going to be the case for everybody. And so in this other time, he says it's time to give birth. Right. And the time to die. Right. And really at the end, you know, there's things that obviously you and I can do that can impact that. Right. That can impact when we die. There's just to be to be real, you know, for many of us. We can't control that. We don't know when that moment will happen, whether if it's going to be in our hands or not. But what does matter is what do we do in the meantime? There's a time to be born and a time to die. But what did you do in the meantime? All that in between time. That part is what's important. Um, it says here, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. I really think I, almost everything here is kind of him explaining there what to do in the meantime, right? A time to plant and a time to uproot. Like there's a certain times that, hey, it's okay to start over, right? This is the moment that we need to start something new. Plant a seed, you know, plant a, whether if it's a good deed or, or a word of encouragement, right? There's a certain moments that we need to start something and then uproot it, right? There's moments that we need to finish what we started, right? You and I, I don't know about you. I mean, there's plenty of times I can get really excited about something. I'll start a project and sometimes maybe don't finish it. Um, but this is important for us to recognize those moments. And as we kind of go through this, I kind of was wrestling and I really think Solomon was wrestling is there's a time for everything, but sometimes we don't know when to do what. And if you plant when you're supposed to uproot, you know, or do start something when you're not supposed to, it all makes a difference. But these are these little moments. So when he says it's a time to plant and the time to uproot, there's a time to start things and there's a time to stop things, right? To end things, to bring it to completion. That's always important. You guys, none of us, you know, we don't want to have a to-do list that just never gets done. That's really frustrating, right? Verse three says, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. All right. What does that mean? Man, because when we're looking at this, we're like saying, wait, is God saying, does God's word say, uh, the, when is there a moment to kill someone? Uh, I thought the Bible said thou shalt not kill. Well, the Bible says thou shalt not murder. God is very clear with the difference between killing and murder. So just in case some of you are wondering why, you know, is God being consistent? Yes, he is. Okay. There is a time to kill and a time to heal. Again, meaning there's, there's a time to end something. Now I'm not talking about kill somebody also necessarily, but Hey, there's these moments, right? There's moments when it comes to war that there is justified 
there is a justified killing. And so there is a, a really interesting element when it comes to that. Obviously, when it comes to murder, that deals with the heart and hatred. Uh, when God says, thou shalt not murder, all right, Ten Commandments stuff, Jesus later on expanded that. It says, if you hate somebody in your heart, that's murder. So he shows the connects with the, connect with the two. You know, it's one thing for me to hate a brother, hate somebody, and I kill you, right? I murder you versus, you know, you know, I don't know what's an, a way of doing this. Okay. Versus you, you coming after my family, I walk in, right. And you're about to kidnap my kid and I just take you out. Let's just say that. Okay. There's a difference there. I'm not doing the second out of hatred towards you. I'm doing it out of love for my family. And so there are moments that we can say that there's justified, but at the same time, there's time, there's always a time to heal. There's a time where so many of us, we want to take it out on that other person, but that's not the time for that. There's a time that we can experience true healing and only Jesus can bring that kind of healing. The power of the Holy Spirit is the only thing that can bring that healing when at the time you want to hurt someone, but it's at that moment that you got to give it to God so he can heal that moment. Uh, there's a time to tear down and a time to build up again. There's this, you can see that there's moments that we're like, you know what? We just need to, we need to tear, we need to downsize. We need to take this back instead of building up, you know, for, for me, I'll just give you in the context right now in a church, right? Here's 2021, um, middle of COVID stuff. You know, we have found a time that is like, look, this is a time that we need to tear certain things down. There's things that we need to pull back. There's things that we need to do this, do that, and refocus our energies, refocus our resources to build something else up in order to do that. And so those are moments that is very important that we are sensitive to the spirit to say, okay, when do I need to kind of pull back in certain areas of my life in order for me to grow, in order for me to build? Listen, there's a certain things that sometimes need to be killed by grace and in grace. Okay. There's seasons in life moments that we just need to just let it go in order for God to do something brand new. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. This is, this is good news for some of us. Listen, sometimes uh, when we might go through emotional times and we may feel, you know, okay, no, let me just... you know, keep it together. You know, I'm just going to keep it together. I'm just going to be strong and be tough. But listen, there's just times you just need a real good cry. All right. There's some of those, you know, sad boy hours, right? Where you just need a good cry. That's okay to be able to truly wrestle with those emotions, right? There's, there's, there's a time for that. You know, there's a time to be able to truly be confronted with some of the most difficult moments. It is okay but I'm telling the fellas, you listen, listen, fellas, you, you need a good cry from time to time. You do. That's what Solomon is saying. You need a good cry from time to time. But then there's moments that we ought to laugh. There's moments that we ought to enjoy that we are not so serious that we miss out on the little things, you know, or we get so caught up in our feelings that we don't get to enjoy the true things in life that are always right there that won't be there tomorrow. Maybe these small little moments, you know, sometimes it's, sometimes you need to laugh at yourself. You know, sometimes you need to do that. Um, but at, when we talk about laughing and, and dancing, listen, that true joy is only found in Jesus. Okay. So when it comes to God, 
I love that when there's a time of, you know, time of weeping or mourning and time of laughing and dancing, the full spectrum of our emotions, we can experience and give those to God because it is only in Christ that we can truly find healing and and comfort during our most darkest times. And it's only in Christ that we can find true joy and happiness. And so all of those times we can find in Jesus. Number five, there's a time to throw stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to avoid embracing. That was an interesting one. See, during Jewish times and, and not just Jewish times, but during ancient times, sometimes warriors or when you would have people, you know, people groups fighting other people groups, sometimes one, uh, what they would do is they would throw stones on their farmland. Okay. So if you're an invading force, you would throw stones on their farmland as one way of kind of cutting out their food supply. All right. And so in order to cultivate the food, you kind of have to, and then keep growing, you have to remove stones in order to do something. So when it says to throw stones, I'm, I'm kind of thinking also as Jesus, um, you know, Jesus said to the, those religious leaders that had a woman who was caught in adultery in the act of, and they all had stones. And they said, the, the, the word of God says, like the law of God says, we have to stone her. And he says, well, first one to throw, you know, first one without sin, throw the first stone. So Jesus was the only one qualified. And yet he didn't throw a stone. That's interesting. But then how do we wrestle with the fact that Jesus said that? And then here it says, sometimes there's a time to throw stones. What does that mean? How does that work? Um, you know, in, in one case for us, uh, definitely it, it's one thing for us to be able to call out sin. It's one thing for us to call people to repentance and say, Hey, that's wrong, bro. You got to fix yourself. See, that's not what those religious people were doing with hanging out with Jesus or not hanging out with Jesus, trying to pin Jesus. They, they wanted to trick him because they wanted to see what he would do. Right. And so they were about to murder. In this case, this was murder. Uh, they were not doing it out of holiness towards God and out of holiness towards his word. They were doing it to try to entrap Jesus in a manipulative way. They were using that woman as a pawn. There was no love for that woman. And Jesus saw the game. And that's why he ended that. But in this case, when it's time, so it's time to throw stones, it's time to gather you know, definitely there's, we don't throw stones in order to hurt people. We don't lob verbal bombs to hurt. Okay. Sometimes we need to, you know, like I say, gather them up. I was like, I need to, now's not the time. Now's the time for me to love this individual. Right. So there's a moment when we can call out sin in love, but we don't just judge someone like that. Uh, that's a, going a little too far. Uh, so there's these moments that, you know, hey, we kind of have to hold it together, bring it together. Time from embracing and a time for avoid embracing. That sounds very COVID-19, right? Did Fauci write this? Um, you know, hey, there's a time to hug and there's a time to, you know, there's a time to not. There's a time to fist bump. There's a time to be close and there's a time to not. And it almost kind of sounds like, so what does that mean? Well, you know, you know, Jesus, it was interesting because Jesus, we see that, you know, we don't know. Okay. It's not clear. Jesus didn't go around running and touching every leper that was there during his time. But we do know there was a moment that he embraced lepers and lepers talking about transferable diseases. Leprosy was ridiculous. Okay. Um, Jesus was unafraid to draw near to them. And so there is definitely a time out of respect of look, now is the time that I got to draw close to you. And there's just sometimes that God might lead you to 
kind of step away from a brother, step away from a sister. I mean, P, uh, not Peter, Paul would say that. He says sometimes, hey, with, with this book, the little tiny book called Philemon, all right? I, I like to say it that way. I don't know if that's the proper pronunciation. But he said, hey, sometimes you just got to give, you got to surrender somebody to the devil. If somebody is not repenting, if somebody is not listening, if somebody is being very hard-headed, you're just going to have to let that person go. You're going to have to let that person go, praying for them, encouraging them, not condemning them, hoping that God will do a work in their life to restore them. And so sometimes we need to go after people. Sometimes we might have to just give that person to God so that he can do that job. He can restore that person. Uh, a time to search and a time to count as lost, a time to keep and a time to throw away. So that, one, that one's an interesting one. As I, you know, S and C, sometimes, hey, you just kind of have to know when to call it quits, you know, know when it's time to surrender. There's certain promises and certain goals and dreams that we need to hold on to. But then there's others that we need to learn to surrender and give them to God. You know, those moments of, of searching and, and counting as lost, pretty much saying, you know what, I'm just going to just write that off. I'm going to take that hit. I'm going to learn that lesson. That's important. Sometimes we need to search for wisdom, search for things. But there's sometimes we can just say, look, that moment's gone. I just have to, hey, take that loss, turn it into a lesson. That's important. And we need to be able to do all those things. A time to tear and a time to sow. Again, sounds very similar again to the, you know, breaking down to building up again, right? And everything else in between a time to be silent and a time to speak a time for love and a time for hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Those are the interesting ones, right? There's certain times that, listen, we need to be able to speak our voice, and there's other times that we just need to remain silent. Now, when I say that, when it comes to people, when it comes to the world, listen, there's the time to speak up for, for justice is always now. The time to, for, to speaking up for righteousness and the truth is always now. We never remain silent when confronted with those things. You know, when it comes for loving and hating, what do you mean hate? Well, listen, hating people, no. The time to love is always now when it comes to people, but the time, there is always going to be a time when you need to hate sin. That, you know, that, that is important. That, that is important there. There's always a time to love individuals, but then we hate that sin. That is true. We, we always, that, that is the, where our hatred always goes. All right. Directed fully to the, that and that alone. And, but there's a time to speak. There's a time to really speak your mind. And there's a time, listen, saying anything isn't going to help, right? You just need to let that person know. Cause I know sometimes I've dealt with this and we've dealt with people with mental health issues or maybe with depression and you throw Bible verses at them. And they was like, look, you just kind of tell them, you just do this. This is what the Bible says, do it. And you're not going to feel that way. And they were like, I can't, they literally think that they can't. So sometimes just kind of regurgitating Bible verses doesn't help. What matters sometimes is that we just kind of come alongside of them and say, listen, man, I'm here for you. Sometimes it's, you got to know when to, when to speak, when not to speak, right? When to stand. And that's important. When to stand for not for your preferences, Okay. We don't stand for what we want. We always stand for the truth of God. We always stand for righteousness, justice, according to what the Lord says, not to what culture says or what anybody says, according to God, the war and the peace there, like, you know, is, is focusing on our battle. Listen, there is a time that we need to, right. Put our big boy pants on and get work done. 
There's a time that we need to just be at peace and surrender to God. Sometimes when it comes to prayers, there's a time to talk to God, but there's also a time that you need to be silent before God. That's important too, that when you pray, there's a time to talk. When there's a time, you got to let God talk. You got to listen. That's important. But when it comes to even war and peace, listen, there is always, there is always a time that we need to battle spiritually because our war is not against flesh and blood and humanity. I like to say that God died for the person on the other side of my opinion. I have to remember that I am not fighting a person. I'm fighting the forces of darkness that are operating in that person. So I love that individual though. I can lovingly forcefully still confront a principle that is demonic in nature and is not hurting. I'm sorry. That is hurting that person and has a potential hurt of the people. See, there's a time for everything. Like I said, there, look, everything else in between, but the time to follow Jesus is always now because you and I, let's be real. Sometimes we don't always get the timing, right? We don't always get the timing, right? Now God's timing is perfect. You know, he says, Ecclesiastes, he says, uh, God makes all things right in his time. And so sometimes we may get certain things wrong, but that's when we got to trust in him and hold on to Romans 8, 28, where he says that God makes all things work together for good to those who love him or called for his purposes. And so really th this whole idea of time, guys, it, you have to focus on the trust. That's, that's what I'm really dealing with is when it comes to time, you have to trust God with your time. If you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you're asking, you know, you've, you, okay, let me say it differently. All right. If you have asked Jesus to forgive you of your sins, you are trusting him with yesterday, everything that happened yesterday in the same way that you believe did Jesus handle all of your sins. Yeah. Well, trust in him with today and tomorrow. Like that's the part that's important. You know, uh, you and I, you know, we're just kind of focused on right now, but you know, God wants to, God is the only one that can make things right at the right time. And in the meantime, we got to do what, you know, remember what Ecclesiastes says, this really hit me a little bit, enjoying every moment with God, enjoying the small things, right? The eating and the drinking, every small gift is a gift from God. And those small things make up, make a big difference. You know, I had a friend of mine, um, Mark from California was reminding me of a great admiral's speech, which actually I have in, in a book right up there. Uh, it's called make your bed. Like if you want to change the world, make your bed. It's a great speech from an admiral. And he just talks about that. Something super simple, making your bed can actually change the world. If you haven't checked that out, I want you guys to look up, look up that, you know, make your bed, change the world. I recommend it. But again, it's those little things. No, and you know, so many times we get so caught up in the big things. We, right, we, we, we lose out on the little things and, and those little things, those little moments actually can hurt us in the future. They can hurt us in the future because when difficult times come now, if, if we didn't do the correct things today, and then we have to deal with something tomorrow, we're going to end up reacting versus responding. Do you know the difference? Reacting is just whatever you think in the moment, you know, that's it. You're making emotional decisions. I don't know about the last time. Uh, I don't know about the last time that I made, or let me see. Very few times have I made emotional decisions and were almost correct. Okay. Let's be real. You and I, we don't tend to make wise decisions when we're emotional. You don't even, you can't even have a rational conversation with somebody who's emotional. You can't have a rational conversation when you are emotional. And if you don't do the things necessary today, when you're confronted with a situation tomorrow, you're going to react. And if you react, that is a greater chance that you are going to make a mistake. 
and and you're not going to do the right thing at the right time because you're reacting rather than responding. Responding requires strategic thinking. Responding actually requires knowledge and wisdom. That's responding. In fact, when we were doing a Q&A, one of our uh, church members brought up this idea, uh, the concept of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all of the heroes of the faith. Guys, I want you to know, we, we look at these guys, and Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, uh, their story is found in the book of Daniel, and they were confronted by King Nebuchadnezzar, who said, listen, I'm the king, and they were officials, they worked for the government, for, for the king, they were exiles, um, they were prisoners of war that were taken, and now they work for King Nebuchadnezzar. And they go and they're doing, uh, you know, King Nebi creates this big thing. And he says, yo, I want y'all to bow down and worship me like God, because I am God. I ain't nobody bigger, nobody better than me. And whoever doesn't, whoever doesn't submit, if you resist, I'm going to kill you. And we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace and you're going to, we're going to roast you alive. Well, the trumpets sound, everybody hits the deck, except for these three fellas, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, they don't. They stand on their feet. They were swept away, taken, about to be thrown into the fire first. And King Nebuchadnezzar says, uh, who's going to save you now, bro? I want you to check it out, Daniel 3. Uh, where's your God? Well, what's going to happen now? <laughs> and they go, King, pretty much, I'm paraphrasing, they say, King, we believe that the God that we serve he can save us from your hand. Oh, your majesty. But understand that even if he does not save us, if we know, if God would show us right now, I'm not going to save you. You're about to die. That's pretty much what they're telling him. It's like, even if we knew God wasn't going to save us, we still wouldn't bow down and worship you. How did they get the guts, the gall and the boldness? To say that and to know facing death. I mean, think about even that last statement. How would you feel if you knew God wasn't going to bail you out? God was going to let you die and let you suffer. Would you be like, all right, God, I trust you. If you say so. Would you? You'd be like, uh, you going to do me like that? Bro? You can do me like that? I was like, all right, Nebby, I'm on your team. Forget this guy. You know, this, this guy over here, he, he, he bailing on me no. So uh, what's up? Yeah, you know, I got I to gotta bow down one more time. You want me to kiss your feet? What do you want me to do? Listen, that, how did they get to that position? How did they get to that place in boldness? Well, number one, listen, they, they had made it a regular habit to follow the living God every day. When you look at it early, when they were younger, they had this challenge where they had to fast and, and they chose to reject the, the food from the king's table, which meant we reject to acknowledge that you, king, are our God and Lord and our substance. It is the Lord God that's our substance. So they were, they had made a, a habit. It was a lifestyle for them to follow the living God every day. So when they were confronted with even death itself, they didn't flinch. They didn't flinch because they were used to it. They, they were used to it. They weren't reacting out of fear. They were responding in faith. And guys, this is, I, this is what I want you to know. This is why you and I need to do this. Every single person in the Bible, every single person had their moment, had their one time where God showed up or where they, we, we know them for doing big and bold things, right? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we know them for like two things that they did. Those two. That was it. They spent their whole life and we only remember them for those two things. But those two things 
change the world. God used that to change the world. And so you and I need to remember that. You and I need to remember that because the only reason that they were able to be in that position at that moment is because they made it a regular habit to follow God. And guys, listen, if you want to be able to respond when your moment comes, if you have to stand and and profess your faith, even if you are confronted with death itself, don't just think that you can live your life however you want. And then when push come to shove, you're going to be all big and bold with your chest out and saying, I, you know, I follow Jesus and no, no. If you don't do that on a regular, you ain't going to do that when that happens. Follow Jesus today. That's what matters. Okay. Don't follow anything else. And especially right now in our culture, man, our culture, they are offering every which way for you to follow this, follow that, follow this, follow this way, this way of thinking, that way of thinking. I mean, right now there, there's a big debate going on in our country between Christian nationalism and Christian socialism. There's a difference between the two, right? Christian nationalism says they kind of glorify, they, they glorify and deify a nation, a country. America's not the only one who's ever done this. So y'all need to relax and chillax. Okay. Christian nationalism deifies and glorifies God, uh, glorifies the nation. They, they, they treat their nation like if it was heaven. They treat their founding fathers as apostles and all these things, okay? That's Christian nationalism, and it's all about the nation. Now, there's a certain level of that. There's a principle that is okay, you know, because Christian nationalism is this country first. And there is an element of that that's okay because it speaks of priorities. How can you help the other nations of the world If, you know, your nation doesn't got their act together, there's certain principles that are okay with that, but then there's not, there's obviously this idea where if you focus so much on liberty, the freedom to speak, the freedom to go, the freedom to gather, which all are biblical in nature. Let me tell you all of these freedoms that we have. I tell you right now, I know I appreciate, appreciate the United States of America. I I honor and respect and appreciate the founding fathers and what they accomplished in the constitution. Let me tell you, I do, but not to the point that I'm going to, you know, add the constitution to the canon of scripture. No, let's be real. Even though much of the constitution and the declaration of independence comes from scripture, but I'm just going to hold the original book. All right. Uh, I can, I can appreciate, acknowledge the founding fathers without treating them like they were saints. Okay. And I can love America without worshiping America. Right. Because God, what we have in God is better, but listen, but then there's the opposite. There's people who are all about that one, but Hey, before I get to the opposite, let me be real with you. If you're going to focus so much on fighting for your liberties to live your life, however you want to great. I'm with you on that, but let me warn you, you can have all the liberty in the world, but if you don't give that liberty to God, you are as much of a slave as any person in communist, you know, socialist, whatever country you would never think of. Okay. You can have all the liberty in the world, and still be a slave to sin. You need to be able to surrender all things. If you want to try find true Liberty, it's only found in Jesus, but then you have Christian socialism and you have groups that are arguing. They, they condemn the other without condemning their own. And and listen, both are are both important. Both are messed up. Christian socialism isn't about the nationalism. It's about the world. They're led by compassion, right? And we got to help this and we got to help that and all these things, right? But you know what Christian socialism does? See, socialism and communism are rooted, okay, in a godless atheistic thinking. It's assuming things of the word of God. It's assuming things. And what you do with Christian nationalism is you treat God like government. 
And you can do it with your flag waving and your God bless America's all that. When you look to the government as your savior and you act and you expect and you hope that the government does what the church is supposed to do. And then you get frustrated and you blame it on the other. No, listen, the reason why it doesn't work is because you are expecting the government to do what the church is alone called to do. All right. And you're expecting to establish heaven on earth, which that is not what we are called to do. And what happens with Christian socialism always, it rejects God and his truth. Again, ending in slavery, both without God and in slavery. Now, there is a way that we can love the nation and serve our nation and be compassionate towards the, the nations of the world. As Christians, we are called to do both, but we don't do it under the banner of a country. We do it under the banner of a king for we have a kingdom and that's where our focus lies. So let me tell you, talking about there's a time for everything, right? Christians, let's be real. So many times we focus on, you know, we, we confuse Jesus's message and his audience. Jesus had one message to unbelievers and one message to his followers. Okay. This is it. For Jesus's followers, the message was always love. If you are following Jesus Christ, love. If you can't forgive, or if you can't come to find a way to love your enemies, people who don't look like you, act like you, talk like you, think like you, vote like you, if you can't find a place to forgive them and love them and, and pray for them, but if, if you have a sense of just rage and animosity, there is something deeply off, okay? Because God has called you to love. God has called you to love. If you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you are called to love your enemies, and you treat those in a way that they don't treat you. And you don't do it in spite. No, you love them because Jesus loved you. So if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm telling you, our message to Christians is always love. And we lovingly bring those back who are out of bounds. But you know what Jesus's message to an unbelieving world was? He didn't tell sinners love each other, guys, just kind of hold hands and hug and, and let's just reconcile sinners to sinners and let's do, no, Jesus's message to unbelievers was repent, repent of your sin, repent of your sin. Listen, you and I cannot reconcile sinners to sinners. We can't do that. We can't reconcile racist to non-racist or racist to racist. We can't do that. We can't reconcile progressives with conservatives. We can't do that if they are godless. We are called to tell godless people Repent of your sins and be reconciled to God. It is God then who will reconcile people to people. That is his job. Our job is to point up. That's our job is to look to people and say, hey, I love you too much. Not to tell you, you need to repent of your sins because what you are having right now, it's not enough and it's not going to save you. Turn to Christ, turn to Jesus. He is real and he really loves you. So let's not confuse the two guys. If you're Christians, our message to one another is always love. And as Christians, our message to an unbelieving world is repent, because if they can't repent, things aren't going to be made right. But when we do that, God will make things right. And lastly, if some of you guys are worried about what's happening in our world and what's happening in the nation, what's going on, are we going to experience hard times or not? More than likely. Okay. And regardless if it's a Republican or Democrat or what else, you know, some of y'all, you guys have been praying for revival and you don't know what you're asking for. Okay, God, bring revival, bring revival, bring revival. All right, cool. God says, you want revival? All right, I'll bring you revival. But sometimes you need um, the conditions for revival. Okay, so many times we know, man, we need more of God, but we don't know what to do. So God just, I don't know, we just want more of you, which is true. 
Okay. But sometimes people pray for revival and what they really want is a shortcut to revival. They want an easy path to revival, but revival always tends to either precede or proceed revolutions. Always. Revival, which is when people are truly awakened and desperate for God. That doesn't happen when the conditions are easy. That tends to happen when the conditions are at its worst. When you, you only become desperate for God, when you realize you have no other option and you have no other way out and you are unhappy with your condition. That's the only way. So some of you guys have been praying for revival and now you're scared that times are going to get worse and times are going to get, Oh no. Oh my God. This is what you asked for. And so this is a good thing because every time the world gets darker, the light of Jesus gets brighter. And this is what we are called to do when times go dark. And when people go dark, we shine our brightest. This, these are the moments that God made the church. This is what we were regenerated for. These are the moments that we were reborn again for. So let's not waste this moment. Let's not waste this time. Let's pursue Christ, go deeper into the light so that that light may reflect off of us and on to others. Don't waste that guys. Listen, time tomorrow's not promised, but God's promises are for today. So if you don't know Jesus, just all you have to do is pray and mean it. God, forgive me. God, fill me and help me follow you and watch. He's going to give you life that you ain't never found ever again. And you're going to make every moment. You're going to enjoy every moment from here to eternity because Jesus is the one thing that you're missing. He is, he is the one thing that you have been looking for only to realize he's been searching after you trust in him. And if you have Jesus guys, let's not get caught up with the things of this world. Let's not be shocked when the world acts like the world. Let us be disappointed when the church doesn't act like the church. Let's get real. Let's not waste time. Let's love. That's the kind of revolutionaries that God is looking for. So let's be that kind of revolutionary. Revolve our time, our love, our focus on Jesus and Jesus alone.